One of the reasons I think Amazon's been so successful is because they focus entirely on the customer, sometimes at the detriment of their own employees and partners, suppliers. But what they get right, I think we've all probably experienced this, is the customer experience is always fantastic. And when you're weighing, should I invest in NFTs or my fulfillment network, or do I want to invest in live shopping or whatever? It should all be bundled in this concept of like, will this help our customers? Like, do they want this? In this conversation, I'm joined by Jordan Jewell, VTEX's analyst in residence, to discuss the six trends defining the future of commerce. Formerly at IDC, where he launched their commerce practice, Jordan joined VTEX just three months ago to assist brands and retailers to grow their sales over digital channels. In his own words, he acts as a detective, economist, statistician, journalist, critic, storyteller, and evangelist to provide actionable advice in areas such as merchandising, channel management, marketplaces, product information management, payments, personalization, order management, and more. It's a long list. So perhaps the best place and person to be able to join us for this commerce overview. So Jordan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Tizzy. Let's start with what exactly does an analyst in residence do? Maybe you could fill us in. <laughs> so um, yeah, that's that's my title here at VTEX, uh, which I joined a few months ago, four months ago, exactly, actually. And um, former analyst was at IDC for seven years, and I wanted to take that kind of objective approach to the e-commerce market and come here to a technology mar- uh, company to the dark side and try to bring that objectivity to really focus on helping merchants grow, whether that's with helping them figure out omni-channel, selling across channels. So I've been doing a lot of speaking, presented at our conference and at other events, uh, participating in this podcast. Mm -hmm. And my goal is really at the end of the day, just to help our merchants using VTEX, selling online, um, grow sell more, essentially. Well, it's great to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. And hopefully uh, this will be the first of many podcasts that you do with us and that we do together. So it's really great to have you. We're obviously here to talk about your take on the six trends defining the future of commerce. Lots to cover. But before we do uh, dive into that future state, I think it would be good to just take a look at the current state of commerce. What have been the biggest developments for you over the last 18 months, would you say? So, I mean, I think we all... When we think about what's transpired over the past 18 months, um, the the elephant in the room would be COVID. And I mean, I follow this market. I live and breathe it every day. And kind of the narrative around COVID and its impact on the market has has changed, certainly. But I think the, the, the top, the highest narrative, the, the most common narrative would be that pre-COVID, e-commerce was growing pretty quickly. 2020 comes around, uh, shelter-in-place orders. People can't spend the way they typically spend on activities, restaurants, that sort of thing. Tons of consumption occurred online and on kind of uh, products, essentially, on, on goods. And so you saw a pretty big spike in growth online across the world in 2020. And what we're looking at, if we're, if we're looking at actual percents of commerce online, Worldwide, the number was about uh, 13.8% in 2019. And 
you saw a jump to in, in 2020 to 17.9%. So of all retail that happened, you saw a pretty big shift. Typically before that, you were looking at maybe 2% growth and that year it about doubled. Mm-hmm. Significant growth, yeah. Yeah, and those numbers may not mean all that much, but it, it, account, it amounted to hundreds of billions in, of dollars moving online overnight. Now, there's been a little bit of a shift back. We've all kind of gone back to buying stuff in stores. Uh, it, it, and my actual biggest takeaway is that people really like buying stuff in stores because even with kind of all those constraints we saw around COVID, 17.9% is not that high. I know I certainly bought more stuff online in 2020, but over overall across the market, um, people like to buy stuff in stores. They like to see it. They like to, uh, the social experience mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Touch it, feel it, go outside the house. Yeah, of course. So like, that's actually one of my biggest takeaways, but I, I think it's a good level set. Like what percent we're at right now, e-commerce is still pretty early days to be at 20%, less than 20%, I should say. And um, I, I mentioned it was about 18% in 2020. The the forecast between e-marketers and kind of some of my own forecasts is around by 2025, we're looking at over a quarter of commerce happening online. So we're going to continue to grow. It's going fast, um, but I think that's a, a healthy level set. And some other like if we look at the current state of commerce, a few other things that stand out to me is that one, and this will this will come back around. This is why I'm bringing this up. But when we think about e-commerce right now, we often think about the browser or traditional commerce channels like Amazon, buying stuff on apps, that sort of thing. We kind of have, I think when we picture e-commerce in our minds, we're, we're seeing a product page or a search bar where you're typing in the product you're looking for. And uh, there's a bit of a spoiler, but I I think that's going to change. But that's kind of when we think of e-commerce right now, what we envision. And the customer journey in these commerce experiences, at least the one that marketers kind of planned for in the past and, and continue to plan for is pretty linear. They they the the journey goes something like a consumer sees advertisement, they go to a product page or they visit a website and they like the product, they add to cart, check out, awesome. Kind of a linear journey. Um, spoiler, that's also going to, I mean, that that already has changed, but that's kind of the traditional view of what commerce kind of e-commerce would look like. And uh, the, the kind of... Where we are right now, there's still a lot of problems with how e-commerce, um, with, with conversions and traffic. And I, I think there's a rosy picture around like direct consumer brands and the success they've seen without having a physical store and selling things online. It, there's a pretty rosy picture, I believe, but there's actually a ton of challenges with how e-commerce is happening right now, whether it's banded carts, the returns that happen online, um, consumers being shipped the wrong product. 23% of product returns, for instance, are due to consumers receiving the wrong item. Um, 
to me, that's a, that's a huge challenge. And obviously that's not something that's going to happen if you're, you're buying in store. So if we're going to get above that 18% we're at right now worldwide, some of those challenge need challenges need to be solved. But then a lot of those challenges are symptomatic of your earlier point that we are still relatively early in the commerce game. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of companies who um, kind of just thrown up a store and haven't optimized it for sure. Quick win processes. Okay. So a great setting, a great foundation for us to, to begin with there. Let's break into the six trends then that are shaping the future of commerce. And we've helped everyone out here by actually separating them into one to six. So we'll go through them nice and, and systematically. We're going to kick off with channel explosion. What is triggering this massive channel expansion that we're seeing everywhere? Yeah. And so um, the way I think about this, I mean, this is there's a reason this is the first one on the list. I, I kind of think that this is the, we look across the market, regardless of industry or um, business model that a retailer or brand has, this is kind of the biggest trend in my mind impacting everyone, which is that traditionally a brand or retailer kind of sold through uh, one one channel whether that was a retail channel, their own store, they might have sold online. But when we think about how people are interacting with brands and retailers now, the number of channels, the number of devices, social media apps, marketplaces that they interact with has just grown. It's huge. The number of of different apps and things that consumers use these days has grown substantially. It, It was about, I think, before a purchase took place in 2010, a consumer interacted with about 2.5 uh, touch points, and that number's over four today. So, wow. just the yeah, the the amount of like, and if you think about your consumer life, this makes a ton of sense. It's unlikely you're just going to go to a store and purchase. It's likely you see an ad on social media, you you go to the brand site, you look at the product page. You maybe look at an article afterwards to find out more information. Maybe you see a retarget on Facebook later, and then you buy. So these journeys are becoming more complex. And um, another really important factor um, with this trend is that um, those journeys are very intertwined. So for instance, if I'm a brand and I advertise on Amazon, that doesn't just improve my sales on Amazon. That doesn't just boost my conversion on Amazon. That actually will increase my sales in store in some cases, or that might increase my sales on my own branded site and vice versa. Because um, a consumer doesn't just see the ad and that impacts their decisions right then and there. It might impact their decisions down the road. And it's really difficult to attribute what the full impact of of that will be. But I, I think it's really helpful to think that digital is all connected. It's it's in, it's also connected to offline. And this is just a huge shift overall for many brands and retailers to adapt to how to operate when there's so many different channels that they have to think about and sell across to their consumers or business buyers even. And in a lot of cases, these channels are also driven by algorithms, which is 
whole nother level of complexity, but it, it, it's very different than kind of how commerce used to happen. It's such a good point, point that point about complexity. I was just going to say that it's a catch-22, isn't it? Because brands are looking to be everywhere that their consumers are. Consumers are demanding more channels, as you say, present in more channels. The brands have to keep up with that expectation, but that, of course, involves a huge amount of complexity on their side, and it's a struggle to catch up and to uh, to get ahead of it. That's a, a good segue. Let's talk about the second trend then and, and shift on into that second trend, which is the shift from products to experiences. If we focus on that customer experience, people might not be surprised to hear that our second trend is that experience economy. How can brands embrace that and tell a better brand story in the midst of all of this complexity? Like you said, I don't think anyone will be surprised to hear this experience economy was one of the main trends I, I think we're we're all facing. Um, I, I think experience in itself is an <laughs> overused word a little bit, but what it comes down to in my mind is that in the past, a brand or retailer, uh, they sold products and it was largely about product and price. Like you had, you focused on having a good product, good price or both. And that's how you succeeded. Obviously the business model mattered, but the focus was really on product and price. That's moved um, a little bit, more than a little bit. It's it's moved quite a bit to the things around the product and price um, that define your brand, that define what a consumer sees when they're purchasing from you. The the brand ethos, the the message around your brand, they're they're all starting to matter a lot more um, in on digital. So you're seeing a lot of brands and retailers really focusing on. The, the digital touch points, the the website, on social, kind of all the investments they're making in um, digital experiences. You're seeing a lot of investment in things like I'm throwing a buzzword, but headless commerce. And the reason that's important, I think, is because um, a lot of e-commerce sites look very similar, which that's not inherently a bad thing, but it makes it difficult for one brand or retailer to stand out from another, from your competition. And we're seeing a refocus on experiences so that you can stand out, so that it's easier to, um, you, you either have a better product information, you have better product content, better imagery, more videos, something that helps a consumer feel more trust in your company and essentially want to buy from you over your competition. An example for me is I'm, I'm a runner and I, I buy a lot of things from a company called Running Warehouse because they, they have really good guides and product information about shoes. And it, it helps you make that decision that you may not see on a generic marketplace. And I think this is a big trend because every company needs to think about what the message in it experience around their brand is. That's another interesting one. If we take that running warehouse example, I've never actually used running warehouse, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll investigate. What's to stop people or how much do we still see people going onto running warehouse, getting a great, as an example, getting a great experience, finding out that additional product information, and then going and finding that pair of shoes that they've scoped out cheaper elsewhere. How much do we still see 
that balance between price. You mentioned that it used to just be about product and price, but there's still that consumer element of wanting to get a great deal, no matter how great the experience is. How how are brands able to deal with that? Yeah, that we could do a whole podcast on just that topic, I think, <laughs> because you're you're getting at one of the main tensions in e-commerce, which is kind of the ease to which it is to switch between stores, online stores. So that that Amazon example, you could do the opposite. You could find out, you can check the reviews on Amazon and then buy elsewhere. And actually that's, I would probably say that's equally common because Amazon has tons of reviews. No one else has the level of reviews that Amazon does. And that has been a driving factor for why they're so, so successful, at least mm-hmm. where it's I'm so in. influential. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think there has to be a little bit more to the experience. And again, I'm using this kind of umbrella term experience, but going back to running warehouse, and I, I don't think they, they sell in the UK, uh, unfortunately for you, but they, they do a lot of other things to kind of help elevate their experience. They, um, like their returns are just really good. Like I, I've, I'm kind of ashamed to admit this, but I've worn a shoe for 30 days and I realized, oh, I actually don't really like this shoe. Only put five miles in it or something, but I didn't have the box anymore. And I asked them if I could just ship it back. And they're like, oh yeah, sure. No problem. We'll just credit you back. That's unusual. That's very impressive. Yeah. And I mean, their customer service is just fantastic. And I think there's, there's a lot of things to experience beyond the site itself that a brand or retailer needs to kind of decide is their, that defines their experience. Like what, what defines their experience and differentiating like that. So it's, it's a couple things in, in that example. And I think with, with every seller, there's a couple differentiators in their experience that matter, but kind of having to pinpoint that and standing out in, in ways beyond the product and the price. Cause to your point, you're probably never going to beat Amazon or some of these other marketplaces when it comes to just price. Certainly a retailer can't because they're trying to add margin. Um, So you have to find kind of other ways to provide value. Great points. And coming down to that experience, there is often an experience, whether that's a great loyalty program or great customer experience, and for example, I mean, it's an, I'm talking about an internet provider here, so it's slightly different, but my internet provider is slightly more expensive, but their customer experience, you know, if, if I have an issue, if anything goes wrong, is so brilliant that I'm happy to spend that extra money to get that experience. And there's, there's always that element as well. If an experience is good enough, if the, if the value add is good enough, then people are willing to to pay that little bit extra to to stay with that with that brand. A good place to talk about trend three, which is experimentation, because often experimentation is the thing that helps us to come up with what's going to work and what's not going to work with our customers and consumers. The traditional business model of retail has had a total rebrand, hasn't it? In my mind, when I say experimentation, that that it could mean a lot of things. And I think experimenting, testing and learning is one of the biggest overall umbrella kind of changes with digital in general. But 
the specific kind of experimentation that I think brands and retailers should really be thinking about is experimentation with the business model. So in the past, typically, not always the case, but typically a brand or retailer had a business model singular, like a single model. And what we're moving towards and what the most successful brands do is have business models, plural. So moving towards selling products is kind of the typical model, but maybe you sell subscriptions. Maybe you have a consumption-based model. Maybe you're leveraging the sharing economy to to deliver things faster or to deliver them in a unique way. Um, you're, you're seeing a, the an explosion of retail media among um, platforms like Instacart, for instance. So these are all a few different ways that, and, and there's there's many, many more, many more with B2B, B2C, B2B2C kind of different models, but these are all different ways to offer your products or services to consumers in different ways, experimenting with partnerships. And I think it's worth it for every brand to rethink how they offer offer their value, their products to consumers. Because again, the most successful companies are doing that. If you think about Amazon, they they kind of offer every example I just mentioned, they, they kind of have a business model around that. And it, it's worth it for companies to think about how they can build better relationships with their customers, maybe collect different kinds of data so they can personalize with their customers and experiment. Just try things. They may not work, but you're going to find out things that your customers do or don't like in the process. Thanks for joining us for part one of our six trends in commerce podcast interview with VTEX analyst in residence, Jordan Jewell. In part two, we'll be taking decentralized commerce, immersive experiences and collaborative commerce as our next discussion points. So join us then. And as always, I'm Tizzy Phil and thanks for listening.